It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Any other questions, guys? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great night. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 644 of Locked on Raptors, I think, for Tuesday, January 21st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked on Podcast Network. We have team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got the Locked on NHL channel going strong. If you're a fan of one of the teams on a bye week, don't worry. We got you covered. There's lots of stuff coming out from all of the teams that are on bye weeks, whether it's the Leafs, the Habs. We got you covered on the Lockdown NHL channel, and uh, make sure you're subscribing, rating, and reviewing, and supporting all of the shows that you want to support. If you are a Kansas City Chiefs or a San Francisco 49ers fan, those are two of our biggest shows on the NFL Network. Be sure to subscribe to those and support those as well. Lots of stuff going down as we get to a busy part of the sports calendar, uh, and let's get to it. On today's show, it's our first show in a few days. Thanks for putting up with the absence on Monday, and uh, since last we spoke, the Raptors have played three games and won three games. And are back to health. It's amazing. It's just like a revelation to see all of the good, healthy players back in the lineup. And joining me to talk about those three games and some other stuff and long athletic Siakams, it is Vivek Jacob from Raptors Republic and all over the place. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. How are you doing? I'm good. I, I, I apologize to you and the listeners in advance. I'm recording this in the radio studio that I work at, and I get really radio-y when I'm, when I'm on, on this microphone for some reason. Like, I just get in the in like the zone of, like, I'm recording a sports update or something. So I'm going to try to rein it in. But if I get all broadcastery at some point, please be uh, be aware that there's a reason why. And I'm in the, the zone where I typically am doing things like this. Uh, so apologies for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm literally talking to a different human being. I know. It's, it's wild. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, since last we spoke, again, like I mentioned, three wins for the Raptors against the Wizards, the Wolves, and the Atlanta Hawks. They have been very good over these few games, offensively in particular. Their offense has climbed from 18th to 13th on overall uh, points per 100 possessions in in those three games. You know, lots of good things are happening right now, and most of all, they're healthy. And Fred Van Vliet's back. He's had a couple awesome games. In particular, on Saturday against the Wolves, where he dropped 29 points with seven of eight from downtown, just as though he were in the playoffs last year against the Milwaukee Bucks. He put up 20 points again, uh, 11 of 14 from the line in the game against the Hawks on Monday afternoon. We can sort of dissect all these games individually or go all together. You can kind of decide here, Vivek. What's been your biggest takeaway from these last three games? Uh, the Raptors are very good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, I think the biggest takeaway has to be the fact that Norman Powell has sort of stolen the show. And, you know, even in the Minnesota game, for as well as Van Vliet played, um, those moments where Powell is just sort of taking over the offense, uh, looks so assertive, so decisive, um, and sure of himself. And his decision making has improved 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, we, we've, talked about before how it just seems like 
you got the blinkers on every time going, you know, it's like, okay, I'm just going to attack the rim and whatever happens happens and throws up a shot. But it just seems to be a bit more composure to him now. Um, there's times where he's recognizing mismatches and just setting up teammates. And so, yeah, it's just all coming together at the right time for the Raptors because you've got a light schedule that they need to take advantage of. And let's face it, you look at you look at the seedings in the East, that two seed, especially when you're looking to make a long playoff run, could be very beneficial. Yeah, man, I've talked about that a little bit on the last few shows, just how I think that two seed is going to be like the prevailing story of the NBA from here to the end of the season, just because of how important it's going to be. You look at how sort of suspect the Nets are and the Magic and whatever other sad sack team gets those seven and eight seeds, if that mm-hmm. race is even in existence right now. Like you want to avoid Indiana or Philly or Miami or Boston or whatever the hell the seedings shake out as two to six at all costs. And, you know, avoiding Milwaukee until the conference finals is certainly handy, too. And with and the... you want to have home court for yeah. that, you know, potential 2-3 matchup. Because, uh, uh, let's face it, they needed it last year. They sure did. They they, they sure did. Um, yeah, that, you always forget about that. <laughs> that was uh, that that game. Pretty that series was pretty much decided because of home court and also weird basketball bullshit on the four bouncer. Um, yeah, and so I, I guess for me, the thing that I took away from the weekend, in addition to the Norm Powell stuff, it's just yeah, like all of the thoughts that we had of this team for the last few months that they're good enough that they don't need to go and sort of sell off at the deadline or anything like that. Like these last three games, even though the opponents were suspect kind of affirmed all that to me and I think we're pretty like we should have a lot of clarity I think going into the deadline of what the Raptors plans should be and the things they should not be doing and I think you know I know there was a Dan Wykey report out there that some teams quote-unquote some teams think the Raptors might sell off Lowry, Ibaka, Gasol I think that's you know listen to the wording of the report and also the source of the report I'm not saying Dan Wykey's not good at his job but he's not exactly someone who I would say is plugged into the Raptors and the whole some teams thing that could come from anybody and that could be any number of reasons why that's being put out there as a leverage play or something like that and so I don't think that the Raptors are going to go into this deadline as sellers that would be silly to me they seem right now to me to have the inside track on the two seed considering their statistical profile the remaining strength of schedule between them and the Boston Celtics who are you know the the other team that has a really impressive statistical profile they have a plus 6.6 net rating they are top five uh sorry top six in both offense and defense their defense is fifth offense is sixth and they've been excellent and so I, I think they're to be worried about but they have a tougher schedule I think they're top five or ten in in terms of difficulty and schedule to close the season and then you have the Heat who have a pretty easy schedule but the Heat are frauds and can barely beat teams like the Kings and have a plus 3.3 net rating to the Raptors plus 5.9 and so like it all looks to me like things are coming up Raptors in you know very Mill Hill fashion and I, and I think that's that's really encouraging and exciting and I think that sort of I wonder, I have a theory I want to throw by you, Vivek. Like, mm-hmm. there's been, it seems like, a little bit more angst to this season than maybe there should be for a team as good as the Raptors are. Do you think there's yeah. anything to the idea that, like, the uncertainty of the deadline and sort of the possibility that each loss could potentially, you know, change the course of the season and maybe have them bail out of the championship, you know, defense and all that stuff? Do you think that's played into the angst at all? Because I kind of feel like it has now that I've sort of taking a look at the first half of the season as a whole um yeah i think so i think especially when you look into 
entering the season, then sure. If, if you're looking at the Raptors being at that sixth seed, maybe even falling to seventh seed, then yeah, you've got to look at getting assets for Gasol and Ibaka and thinking about the future more than the now. But I think because of the way they've played, because they look, because of the parity in the East, frankly, you know, there's there's a real shot that you can get to the East Finals, and then once you once you get that far, any, anything can happen. So, um, I think that's the biggest reason why you know they should feel uh, confident about you know maybe standing pat. But I think in terms of the angst, I definitely agree with you. You know, there was probably a point where fans wanted uh, sort of that last hurrah uh, in terms of enjoying the championship season, and so. You know, you don't really get to do that if this, the championship team isn't really around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the other part of it is just the fact that, you know, outside of the Raptors being uh, defending champions, in a lot of ways they're just back to who they've always been, right? Constantly being ridden off by the American media, constantly mm-hmm. being looked over. Uh, and that's a lot of it. And we saw a prime example of it yesterday. <laughs> We saw a prime example of it at the beginning of the season with Sam Mitchell and Dennis Scott, and it's probably going to continue because, uh, let's face it, when as long as there's no you know supreme superstar uh, on this team, they don't really have a financial incentive to boost up the Raptors. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was never really one to make much of the lack of American coverage. I thought a it made sense, and b you know they they had kind of played themselves into kind of predictability, right? With the way they would have great regular seasons and bow out in the playoffs in usually uh, embarrassing fashion against LeBron. And so I understood the sort of skepticism. And this season, I think it's kind of been brought to the fore of like, oh yeah, no, they're very good and clearly very good. And the numbers and everything suggest they're very good. And you still get Ryan Holland saying they're too young, despite being uh, a notedly old team. (laughs) Oh man. Anyway. Defending champs. (laughs) Yeah, that also. uh, Go read Vivek's piece at Raptors Republic today about how the Raptors are certainly not too young and are long athletic and Siakam enough to be a problem in the Eastern Conference because it's very good. Um, Before we get to some more things, I want to talk about Norman Powell in particular. You mentioned him in just a second, but first I want to uh, bring up our sponsor for today, and that is Indeed. When you start a hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And will you know, or how will you know, that is, if you've made the right hired? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your short list of applicants fast. Also, add skills to test your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting, to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash LockedOn, all one word, and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's Indeed.com slash LockedOn for a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA. 
available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Vivek, let's get into Norm Powell a little bit. You mentioned him. He's been on a heater. Uh, the decision-making, the finishing around the basket, the three-point shooting just completely lights out. Um, pretty much salvaged that game for the Raptors against the Hawks yesterday with his ludicrous fourth quarter. You had him just sort of being the steady off-bench offense against the Wolves as well in a game where they were never really all that much in trouble, I don't think. And then you had the Wizards game where everyone was just clicking on all cylinders and Norm was the leading scorer of all of the guys clicking on all cylinders. I mentioned this a little bit on my solo show last week, trying to figure out like what to do with this Norm Powell heater. And since then, the heater has continued. And it's sort of trying to put his success and the sustainability of it all into the lens of the trade deadline and how it you know factors in because you know he's always going to be the guy who comes to top of mind in addition to like Serge Ibaka when it comes to salary matching obviously there's the 2021 season that looms as well and his contract still be on the books makes that thing a little bit more difficult to finesse especially if you consider paying Fred Van Vliet this summer but, you know, at this point, maybe he just opts out of 2021 anyway because he's playing like a goddamn star. Where do you sort of, like, fall on Norm? Do you think this is sustainable? Do you think it's worth just, like, riding this out and seeing where it goes and hoping he eats the bucks again in the playoffs and you put up with the, the peaks and valleys as you go through it? Or do you sort of look at it all as, like, a cash out now while his value's at his peak type of thing? I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Why don't you try to convince me either way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it kind of takes the pressure off uh, in terms of the front office looking to make a move. I think when you look at the team's struggle without some of the stars, uh, especially offensively in the half court, you were probably saying, hey, you know, let's try and help this offense as best we can. Use so that way, even when they're healthy, they've got an extra guy to go to. But now, with Norm looking the way he is, I think I think it takes the pressure off in terms of needing to make a deal. And, you know, you can be sort of buyers without that sort of desperation that they maybe had last season where they were saying, hey, it's kind of the season or bust. And um, I think when you look at what's on the table for Norm, I think deals that or players that you were specifically looking at that could help the team, now you kind of get to level up a little bit. And so, uh, you know, say, for example, someone, uh, you know, say a month ago, you if you were looking at someone like, Evan Fournier on the Magic, and you're saying, yeah, he can give you some playmaking, he's a consistent scorer, uh, that's probably someone that would be considered an upgrade over Norman Powell. Uh, now, a month later, that becomes a debate. And so now when you're entering those trade talks, it's like, how much do you give up, really? Or, you know, do you need Fournier and something? Um, and sort of more pieces to make that work, to really make the roster better. So I think uh, the Raptors can be very happy with where they're at, and, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. They, they don't need to feel pressure to do anything at this point. Yeah, I think I made the point last week, and I think I still feel that way, even though maybe with the way they've played, you know, again, to keep the opponent strength in mind, maybe over the last three games or four games, it's convinced you that they can maybe even have a higher ceiling than expected. I still think just ride it with what you have might be the best way to go here. Because, like, what if Norm is just this player now and he's figured out the mm-hmm. shooting and he, like, the things he's improved on 
to me feel like things that aren't just like likely to drop off he's you know figured out how to finish through contact and he's sort of added to that array of skills that feels like it's not something that's just like a fluke like you can actually see it like the way he is absorbing contact and switching hands around the basket and sort of has added to his repertoire of moves in there like I don't see that being something that's just going to be something he forgets in no time and so or in, in like some short amount of time so I, I think I'm leaning towards this maybe being closer to what the actual norm is like I don't think he's going to score 25 a game and you know bomb six of nine from three all the time and you know crown Vince Carter with threes in the eyeball but you know he's become such a useful player and he's done it in a in a situation that I kind of didn't think he was going to be able to do it as well off the bench the last few games that uh, you know maybe this is just him and you ride it and then you know maybe you're sitting there kicking yourself if you end up trading him for like Bogdan Bogdanovich because you think he's a little bit more of a playmaker you know right. maybe Bogdan doesn't offer what what Norm does maybe he's not the the prolific scorer you sometimes need and have proven you've sometimes needed in like playoffs and stuff like that you know Norm is kind of underappreciated I think because he's had such ups and downs in his career and it's kind of a little bit of a bummer almost that you know his first like really sustained stretch of excellent basketball ever since he kind of came into the league outside of a couple stretches here and there you know it sucks that this has played him into being more of a trade conversation guy which you know that's I guess speaks to the transaction industrial complex that we all love uh and <laughs> dick finger quote fingers uh, around the word love there uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah I'm kind of leaning towards Norm sticking around I don't know do, do you see something that he's doing that you think is just going to fall off like maybe the three-point shooting is not this sustainable but he's also been 40 percent the last season and has 40 percent seasons on his career before that year as well no I, I think he's just really comfortable I think you know, a lot of times maybe people have said that he's got a little bit of a hitch to his shot where he releases it a little bit late. Mm -hmm. But I think at the end of the day, there's so many players who once you develop that consistency and once you develop that confidence in your shot, then that's all you really need. And he just seems extremely confident in his shot right now. Uh, every time he's open, he's open, he's, you know, like the nurse likes to say, he's vaulting up and letting it fly. So, yeah. um I think that's exactly what you need out of him. And then the other, you know, intangible thing that I'll throw in with Powell is, again, we can go into the experience factor. And mm -hmm. so when you, you compare trading him to, say, you know, the names that have been out there, above Donovich or uh, a Fournier or a Gallinari, you know, whatever it may be, at the end of the day, Powell is the one with the championship experience. Powell is the one that has been through uh, the grind of w what that championship run was last year those guys don't know what that experience is like. And so when you get into those tense moments, you know, as much as Gallinari can create his own shot and, and the things that Fournier can do and the international, uh, you know, the big international games that Bogdanovich has played into this point, I think the value of him having been with this team and the chemistry that he shares, you look at the way guys are cheering for him on the bench and going crazy when he's making those threes with Atlanta, I think, that has value too, and I don't think that's something you can dismiss. Yeah, and, and I mean, we've talked about the need for someone to be able to create their own shot. Maybe Norm is just that guy. <laughs> like, yeah. he's not necessarily yeah. creating for others, but there's lots of value, and we've seen this even with like the Utah Jazz trading for Jordan Clarkson, who's just like a, a knockoff dollar store version of Norm at this point. Like, just having a guy who can go out there and get you some buckets, whether it's playmaking or not, is pretty valuable. I mean, people were calling for Jamal Crawford at one point this season. I don't know why, but they were. Norm's just like a That's better version time. of that. He's got a That's six. Time, Sean. What's that? 
desperate times. Yeah, man. It was pretty dark there for a sec, uh, although maybe getting rid of Patrick McCaw would help that a little bit. Um, <laughs> trade him. <laughs> um, but yeah, Norm's at like a 64.4 true shooting this season. Like, where are you getting an improvement on that? I, I just don't. Like, you're not. <laughs> it's like one of the yeah, best. You, that's the thing, right? Like, yeah. 70, 70% at the rim. He's, uh, and the other interesting thing, I was, I was just looking at cleaning the glass last night. It's, you know, he's shooting above 40%, both above the break and from the corners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking at seasons past, you know, we, we talk about him being inconsistent and whatnot. Uh, a couple of really good three-point shooting seasons he's had so far, it's been dead-eye from the corners and still, you know, sort of mid-35, sub-35 from above the break. So the fact that he's doing over 40 from both, um, I think that's a huge factor as well, especially with the way he likes to attack off the bounce from up top. Totally. Uh, we're going to continue talking about some odds and ends, maybe tee up the Sixers game after letting you know about Calm, who is another one of our sponsors for today. We talk about physical fitness a lot. Mostly I talk about how I don't like doing physical fitness, but I know I have to because, man, I'm fat. There's another side to the game that's just as important, and I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation that has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can help you train your brain better so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. And look at that dude. He's looking pretty good, and he's like 36 or 35, however old he is. He looks much younger than I do and jumps like it too. He says getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things he can do for his body and mind. And if you head to Calm.com slash NBA, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you'll have access to nature scenes that LeBron loves like rain or leaves those sound very peaceful and so much more like sleep stories and meditations for a limited time our listeners can join lebron and using calm with a 40 percent discount to an annual membership at calm.com that's c-a-l-m.com slash locked on nba unlock content to help you focus ease stress and sleep better get started at calm.com slash locked on nba that's calm c-a-l-m.com slash locked on nba The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Vivek, let's uh, wrap this thing up. Let's quickly touch on, so the the games against the Wizards and the Wolves felt a little bit academic. The Hawks game on Monday is the most fresh in our minds, and there was a little bit of hairiness near the end of that one as Nick Nurse just kept his hand on the heat check to see if Patrick McCaw and Bench Pals could close that game out. They could mm-hmm. not, and even through all of the subs of starters back into the game, McCaw stuck out there. I, I, it's really getting to the point where it feels like there's some sort of blackmail going on. I know McCaw had four <laughs> assists in that game. He was actually a plus seven, and you know I had some people be like, you're not watching the game. McCaw's been great, and it's like, well, I watched the game, and like the one time McCaw passed out of a layup to get a dunk for Terrence Davis, yes, that was cool. He also could have laid it up himself, probably, um, and it was just like the most McCaw shit I've ever seen. 
with the rotation now sort of finding its place, and we can talk about this too, Nick Nurse suggesting that he's going to be swapping lineups and, and changing the starters kind of based on the matchup and based on his feel. Where does McCaw fit in here? I know he's played a lot these last few games. He played 23 minutes, 22 minutes, and then 22 minutes over the last three games. So he seems to be pretty consistently getting run. At what point do they pull the plug on this, though? Because it's just like, it's. I said it last week, like the madness needs to stop. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Sean, but I just I just don't see it ending at this point. Uh, you know, I feel like there's been enough of a sample size to validate other guys getting minutes, and uh, if it's not changing now, I really don't see when it would happen. I think Nurse just seems to have a lot of faith in him, um, and he is. I, I feel like his leash when it comes to offensive mistakes versus defensive mistakes. Uh, is a lot longer, so I think maybe that's part of why uh, McCaw seems to be on the court more than Terrence Davis. And yeah, it, it is frustrating because you feel like Terrence Davis is someone that seems to learn from his mistakes. So you know, maybe the more you get him out there, the less of those mistakes he makes. And yeah, I feel like it just is what it is at this point. Uh, even in my column today, yeah, I would have loved to include Terrence Davis in that core eight, but. Just the way Nick sees it, I, uh, I just don't see him uh, in there. I see him getting sort of fighting for minutes just like Rondé and Boucher. And, well, I mean, Terrence and Rondé are ahead of Boucher, but yeah. uh, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it just kind of is what it is. You hope for the best. Um, as, as a whole, just looking at that uh, Atlanta fourth quarter, I would say uh it's kind of a situation where Nick was sort of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You, you, you bring you bring Kyle and them back with uh, the lead and then the comfort level the Raptors seem to have in that game, and everyone saying, "Hey, this is your chance to rest them. Why are you bringing back in this and that?" You know. Yeah. Um, and then you know, yeah. So they end up blowing the lead and struggling with uh, the press, and so I think it kind of it kind of went one way when. No one really saw it coming. Let's face it; they were up what twenty-one, with under five minutes left. Yeah, <laughs> you, you just you just don't expect that to happen, especially against the worst team in the league. And obviously, the fact that it did uh, raises eyebrows even more than it should. So, uh, yeah, I think it was just a, a tough situation uh, with the way that lineup was playing. Okay, maybe maybe they got a little tired there, and they're not used to being out on the court for the, such a long stretch. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> you got the win. Let's move on and play the next of eighty-two. Yeah, I'm not terribly concerned about like the late game issues against the Hawks, and I guess the Thunder last week. They were kind of different circumstances, and also kind of situations of ungodly hot shooting. Which, yeah, you, you know, sometimes you're going to allow ungodly hot shooting because you're, you're you're just openly creating the circumstances for that to happen. But I think, you know, Trey Young is going to go off, and when you kind of have mailed it in and you're up 21 with five minutes left after a really inspiring run by Norm and Ibaka and all the uh, extreme dancing around by Kyle Lowry and, and friends on the bench, like, I, I understand why it might be hard to sort of snap back into it against the Hawks, who are just an absolutely miserable team. Uh, on the McCaw thing, I, first of all, I, I respect and uh, totally support your decision to include him in the top eight just because it inflated the title numbers uh, to yep. double digits, which could call on your your part. Uh, <laughs> it just made the table pop that much more that you tweeted out. And, you know, if there is one saving grace of the McCaw minutes, 
Over the last three games, only one Raptor has played more than 30 minutes in a single game, and that is Norm played exactly 30 minutes against the Wizards on Friday. Everyone else has been kept to under 30. I know there are minutes restrictions involved with Siakam and Gasol, but you know Lowry playing 22, 28, and 29 minutes over the three games, that's a good thing. And that's not doable if you don't have guys soaking up those minutes in the backcourt. And yes, you could probably give Terrence Davis 25 and everyone would be happy with that. But in fairness, he's played, you know, a little, at least a little bit here. He played 24 against the Wizards. He played 19 against the Hawks. So it's not like he's not getting any run. And, you know, you can quibble over the four-minute disparity between McCaw and Davis if you want. And you probably would be right. But if McCaw is offering one thing, it's that reprieve from Lowry and Van Vliet that we were praying for early in the season when they were racking up the craziest minutes totals in the league. And now we're seeing it start to drop down a little bit. And I would assume, you know, obviously the Sixers game on Wednesday will probably require a shortened rotation and the top guys playing a lot of minutes. But I think against these these weaker teams, they've kind of set up the template here. It's like, no, no one needs to play that hard. This team is good enough and deep enough that they can get by and did not have to overexert anybody the way that you know Kyle Lowry had been overexerted the entire time people were out, and the way Pascal Siakam was getting absolutely gassed early in the season as well, just having to play 38 to 42 minutes every night. It's, a, it's kind of a nice reprieve that McCaw is helping to offer, even if it's not terribly pretty when he's out there, so that's good, I suppose. Um... Vivek, we should look ahead quickly to the Sixers game on Wednesday. No Joel Embiid, I guess, still is the case for the Raptor for the Sixers in that one. Ben Simmons is playing. I mean, it. That's always the case when he's going up against Marcus Allred. <laughs> it's actually a benefit for them not to have Embiid out there. You're right. Um, ben Simmons is playing out of his mind and is very, very good. The Sixers are obviously still figuring their shit out. What is your sort of read on this game? Do you have any sort of the things that you're looking for, or have we kind of seen this matchup enough that it's it's not really anything new. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's too much new to glean from it. Uh, I, I think initially there was the curiosity of how Horford and uh, Josh Richardson would fit in uh, in place of Butler and Reddick, and so I think we've seen enough of that, and we know how that sort of plays out. I think it, it is a different challenge uh, with the way the Sixers are set up now in Horford. Um, well, I guess Simmons did play some five in the last game, but uh, yeah, with Horford, you know, I think the spacing just works a little bit better for Simmons to operate, and so it's a bit of a different challenge, but I think it's an easier challenge, obviously. Joel Embiid is um, a very difficult player to defend. Somehow Marcus always able to do it better than anyone, and yeah, the Raptors should be favorites uh, to win that game. Uh, further cement that quest for the two-seed, and, yeah, improve that record against plus 500 teams, too. Yeah, totally. Um, it's I, I'm not looking forward to Embiid not playing because it's really fun to watch the Gasol-Embiid mm-hmm. matchup, uh, <laughs> and it's going to be a bit of a bummer. But I think it will be an interesting sort of test case for how they can deal with sort of the non-Embiid lineups if they end up coming across them in the playoffs. So that's always interesting yeah. to watch and how they deal with Simmons as sort of a high pick-and-roll operator and how they deal with Horford kind of doing more Horford things that he's able to do without having to just soak up space next to Embiid. So a bit of a different challenge, and I look forward to it. And uh, I'm, I'm glad for Joel Embiid's sake that he's not having to play against Marcus Gasol because that has <laughs> to be uh, a little bit torturous to do. Uh, I think that's probably going to do it for today's show. Vivek, thanks so much for jumping on, man. This was a lot of fun. Do you have anything you would like to plug? Uh, Yeah, I did my latest piece for uh, Raptors Republic. My take on the whole 
Ryan Holland's debate and whether the Raptors are too young. Uh, the answer is pretty obvious, uh, but I delved into some other stuff as well. And yeah, besides that, just without from my work there on the regular. Uh, hopefully, have some more stuff going for Complex as well going forward. Um, and yeah, follow me on Twitter at Vic Jacob. Awesome. I uh, can't wait to uh, read more of your stuff, and I also can't wait to have you on tomorrow as uh, you and Sahal Abdi are going to join me a little bit past the halfway point of the season, but the schedule was weird and crammed a bunch of games over the weekend. Uh, So we are going to do a podcast tomorrow where we're going to reflect on our prop bets from before the season and see who's winning who's on track to win i have no idea who's on track to win that right now i have i totally forget what i picked or what the questions were so that's going to be a fun little grab bag of surprise when we do that tomorrow so keep an eye out that out for that on wednesday afternoon uh i will not be at the sixers game as i intentionally initially planned i will be doing play-by-play for raptors 905 on saga 960 so listen to that while you watch the raptors game on mute nothing against the Raptors broadcast crew. We love Matty D, Jack, and Leo, but mute them, listen to the Raptors 905 game while that game is happening tomorrow. It would be my recommendation, and then we'll have a podcast on Thursday sometime talking about the Sixers game. So that's what to expect in the next couple days here. Thank you so much, and uh, we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.